Do you like fantasy sports? If you're listening to this, we're sure you do. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and get started on building your dynasty. It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy, original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Elkafoss, and Akash Patel. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dynasty Trade Calculator Podcast. I am your host, Izzy Elkafoss, taking, uh, or I guess, filling in for Russ, who was filling in for Hurley. So we got the third, this is the bullpen, calling on the lefty here uh, for the hosting. So I'll be driving, similar to probably more like Tiger Woods after a bender, um, but I will be driving this show. Uh, I'm joined by Akash, the uh, one and only Akash, who's been on the show now for, what is this, five, six episodes now, Akash? The vet? Yeah. Who actually just got complimented by our producer talking about how great of a job he did with his audio. And he's never mm-hmm. said that to me after 235 episodes. I'm the new favorite. Uh, yep. And then we got one of my favorite guys in the industry, DWZ Memphis, Mr. Randy Couture. You actually kind of have a Randy Couture type vibe to you. I, I appreciate that. But you're not Randy Couture. But you are Randy. I, I am Randy. I'm Randy Young. Uh, Randy Couture is an old favorite. He is old and a favorite, but uh, I don't have the cauliflower ears. Bald head, no cauliflower ears. That is true. Well, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. I have not seen your smiling face since Canton uh-huh. last summer. I'm looking forward to catching up again this year. Hell yeah. Well, awesome. Well, let's jump right into it because um, we kind of got a full agenda here. So uh, I'll try to I'll try to jump in with some. Um, I'll, I'll try to restrain myself because I, I usually get into talking quite a bit. So I'll throw some things at you. Uh, the draft, I would say my history in doing Dynasty, this is probably the wildest draft that I've seen in terms of the trades in the first round to where the landing spots were to how players fell like you know Malik Willis namely so let's jump right into that because I'm really curious how this changes the outlook I guess tell me what you guys had pre-draft in Superflex leagues and how that changed with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett so just to kind of set this up pre-draft Brees Hall and Malik Willis were one and two pretty much consensus wide and there's a few people that had other guys plugged in but consensus was Brees and Malik Willis fast forward a couple days into the draft how do you guys have it now yeah I got Brees still at one and then Malik's moved all the way down to like a late second for me so it was a big fall late second yeah I I have him as my 201 he, he went from the one. So last week on our podcast, the Dynasty Warzone, I did my top 10 pre-NFL draft takeaways. And I had made the decision just based on my assumption of what his draft capital was going to be. I had to move him into my top three. For me, it was Hall, Walker, Willis going into the draft. 
coming out, of course, he has to fall, but it's not the worst landing spot. And so at 201, it kind of feels similar to the Jalen Hurts situation from a couple of years back. A guy who didn't go in the first round, uh, athletic upside behind a veteran QB making way too much money. And the opportunity could present itself sooner rather than later. So uh, 201 for me. What about you, Izzy? I know you were a Willis guy. You were the 102 Willis guy. I was the I was the 101 Willis guy. Yeah. Um, this was so. So I kind of base everything on the assumption of where players are expected to go. And you look at the mocks, and 90 percent of the mocks had Willis in the first round, and probably seven. I think 75 percent of them had him falling no later than the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have to base it off of that. So based on draft capital and just his dynamic ability, I had him at 101. He is the potential, you know, cornerstone changer of your dynasty team. So I was on board with that. With him falling, I am okay going as high as 110, depending on the format of the league. And actually, you know, I field questions sometimes and um, in DMs and on Twitter in general, like we all do. And I think we overlook a small part of this with quarterbacks. It's when they fall, like Malik Willis is falling. It kind of depends on the format that you're in, whether you're you have one a super flex with one flex super flex with two flex super flex with three flex so on and so forth the more flexes you have the farther a quarterback i'm okay with dropping in dynasty drafts the less flexes you have the higher these quarterbacks should go because they carry a larger weight of your production from a week-to-week basis in dynasty so it's something that's often overlooked so in a normal league with two or three flexes, I would say that I'm comfortable with Malik Willis being anywhere from 110 to 203. And for me, you know, I you know we're in a draft together, Memphis, uh, the first draft that kicked off, and I considered taking Malik Willis at 110, but Olave was on the board, and I couldn't pass up the value there, so I took Olave. But yeah, but what I what I do want is Akash is the biggest swing here, so he went from. Did you where did you have Malik beforehand, Akash? I had him out of it two. I was considering one. I really was with okay. the value of quarterbacks. But then yeah, after that I can't I can't rank him any higher than a mid to late second. It's just the outlook for third on quarterbacks is so poor. And I know he's a good rusher. I don't think anyone's disputing that. But just the outlook from passing standpoint and even getting on the field isn't good. Um the difference between him and Hurts is an entire round in the NFL draft, and that makes a big difference. When you get second-round quarterbacks, normally get a chance. Third-round quarterbacks is a lot bleaker. Since 2010, the third-round quarterbacks are Colt McCoy, Ryan Mallett, Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, Sean Mannion, Garrett Grayson, Cody Kessler, Jacoby Brissett, Davis Webb, C.J. Beathard, Mason Rudolph, Will Greer, Davis Mills, and Kellen Mond. And yep. so, yeah. And so a lot of these guys sometimes don't even get on the field. Um, Malik Willis, the entire basis for projecting elite upside for him was elite draft capital in the first round, maybe even the top half of the first round. He wasn't a very efficient passer in college. And so we said, okay, despite that, he's still going to go uh, high in the first round and he's a good rusher. So that makes him, that gives him a lot of upside and he's going to give you production at a position that's very scarce. But without that elite draft capital, he's still inefficient in college. And even though he runs, the upside isn't to a point where 
I would feel comfortable taking him in the late first, early second where his ADP is because I'm just not even sure he's, he's going to get on the field. And when he does, I'm not even sure he's going to be very good. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Randy, if you have um, something you want to add or debate that. Well, it, it, it's going to be hard. Well, first of all, I, I, I understand why you take a Malik Willis because Tennessee is going to be good. Remember, they were the one seed in the AFC last year ahead of Buffalo, ahead of Kansas City. And that was with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. And he did that without chunks of the season with no Derrick Henry, chunks of the season, no A.J. Brown, chunks of the season, no Julio Jones. And this is still going to be a good team. So for me, I see this as like a savings account, a 401k, whatever you want to call it for the Tennessee Titans. They're, I think they're over under in Vegas. I didn't get a chance to look. I think it's nine or nine and a half. So if you win nine or nine and a half, you know, 10 games this year, you're not going to have a pick to get a good quarterback next year. And Ryan Tannehill has the largest dead cap number of any team, excuse me, of any player in the league in 2022. It drops from 58 million down to 18 million. That's a number that's much more palatable to cut next year. So you bring in Malik Willis. Yes, we know he's raw. We know he's more of a project than a prospect. You let him learn the NFL. And I'm not comparing him talent-wise apples to apples to Trey Lance, but what's the difference between him sitting for a year learning the NFL ropes and getting his chance next year when they potentially move on from Ryan Tannehill. So that's why I have him where I have him at that second round. I almost took him in the league we're talking about. We'll talk about the guy I took, I'm sure, some yeah. point later in the show. But in a super flex league, especially in a in a must-start two quarterback league, Malik Willis at the top of the second round feels like an investment. And if you have the 112, you probably won your league last year. And if you won your league last year, there's a good chance you could be sitting on Tom Brady, uh, even an older guy like Matt Stafford, who's 34 years old. So there's nothing wrong if you won your league with reinvesting in your team for a couple of years from now, because you're going to get another season out of Brady, a few more good seasons out of Stafford. But if this guy hits and you only spend a second on him, your ROI on that early to you know late first, early second is going to be tremendous. So that's why I have him where I do in Superflex mm-hmm. rankings currently. You mentioned the difference between Trey Lance and, and Malik Willis, and I guess the big difference is the fact that the draft capital is massive. So Trey Lance mm-hmm. is all but guaranteed to see the field, where that's not yeah. the case for Malik Willis, and that's a cautious point. No, no I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, compare him to Trey Lance as a quarterback from last year's class. I would compare him more so to Kellen Mond as a quarterback who wasn't that efficient in college, has all the tools and the rushing, and we say, okay, if they can put them together, but he's a third rounder and there's no guarantee that he's going to start, like Kellen Mond did, where he's drafted to a team with an established quarterback, quarterback maybe a team wants to move on from, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Malik Willis, and is he good enough to be a starting quarterback, and will Tennessee see him as one? And he wasn't drafted to be one, and so he's really going to have to take strides to be, be that, and I wouldn't bet on it, I would say that. Most likely, there is absolutely upside, but I'm not drafting that upside until we get to the mid-late second. Yeah, and, and my my point was just that him setting out a full year didn't didn't stop us from drafting other guys. So it's not going to even Jordan Love. I forget where Jordan Love went in drafts, but it didn't. No, I meant like in in rookie drafts that year. He was uh, he was no, like uh, he was late area. first, early second. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Except, except again, he had the draft cap. Except he had the draft capital. So I, I, I get the point. I'm just, you know, banking on the the potential of if he hits, 
then the ROI is bigger than the wide receiver I may take at that same pick. Yeah. Yep. And and I will say, Akash, kind of like how I said about Randy's point of Trey Lance and Malik Willis, you brought up Kellen Mond and all the other quarterbacks going in the third. The yep. only difference between that and Malik Willis in this situation is there are a lot of well-respected scouts, not just on Twitter, but well-respected people across the industry um, that had Malik Willis as a top 30 player. Yeah, I expected him to be that. None of those other guys you mentioned had that type of consensus respect amongst the group. So yeah. I, I will say he fell for a reason. You know, I actually had a conversation with um, Thor Nystrom. We were talking on the phone today, just kind of talking about the draft. And he's a big Malik Willis fan. And mm-hmm. he couldn't figure out what, you, you know, just because all the peers, all our peers, and a lot of scouts have him very highly regarded great character hard-working guy so he was he thinks that there's something that we don't know um and i don't know what that could be but none of it really adds up because you get the high floor with the rushing mm-hmm. you get the dynamic arm so he's a better rusher than jalen hurts he's got a bigger arm than jalen hurts he's he passes the character he's his wonder Lake was a 32 which is almost double kenny pickett's so that part of it, he checks that box. Um, so by all accounts, all you have there, like Randy was talking about, a project with high upside. Well, he mm-hmm. played at Liberty. Okay, well, Trey Lance played at North Dakota State. Yeah. Okay, so what's the, Carson Wentz, North Dakota State. And is the, really the only difference, the success of the team? Maybe, I don't know. But you could look at Trey Lance, that's definitely a project. He went as highly as he did, and there were many other options available, and he still went that high. So yeah. the, the the delta between Trey Lance as a prospect and Malik Willis as a prospect, to me, should be a lot smaller. So I am surprised with the fall of the third round, but I think a lot of people are. So that right. kind of makes me pause and say, yes, he's got third round draft capital, but he was supposed to have first and at worst second round draft capital. So part of me feels like what Randy was saying. Tennessee's got this dead cap situation. They can dump Tannehill this next offseason if they like what they see out of Malik Willis, and then they get to have Traylon Burks, Malik Willis, and I think one more year of Derrick Henry and see what happens. And at third round draft value, they're kind of free rolling at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're incentivized for him to be good because he would be going into year two, three, and potentially four on a dirt cheap rookie deal. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're seeing guys like, I mean, I know Dak's kind of the outliers outlier, as mm-hmm. is Kirk Cousins. But we've seen guys like this get third and fourth round draft capital that were far less the athlete and far less the Wonderlick score of a Malik Willis. So th- there's, you know, I mean, how many second round rookie picks have we all lit on fire over the years? And if you're going to do it, I mean, you're getting a, a plus athlete at a, at a position where there's a scarcity of them. Mm-hmm. So for me, for me, that that's why I would do it. But I also understand the hesitancy because I wasn't a huge Malik guy to begin with. But yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, like your, your point, the delta of the risk to reward. For sure. So let's pivot yeah. a little bit. Akash, unless you have something very compelling, like you agree with everything we said. The no, I uh, <laughs> the third round capital. I, I'm not, and I feel like the 
what people are where people are drafting Malik in rookie drafts right now, where his ADP is like a late first, and he's going, uh, he's going uh, right now. He's going thirteenth in superflex ADP. It feels like um, there's some residual. Uh, people are still paying attention to their pre-draft notions of them, where I'm, I'm completely throwing them out the window because what we thought happened, what we thought was going to happen did not happen at all. And so we can't cling to what we thought pre-draft because every NFL team, like scouts on Twitter liked him, but every NFL team, they have their scouts. They've passed mm -hmm. on him. Some teams even passed on him multiple times and he fell all the way to the third round and it's not a good sure. outlook. And so there's not even a guarantee that if he, if, even if he gets a chance that he's going to be very good, and then even if he is good, like, say, a, a late rounder like Gardner Minshew, like, even if he plays fine, a team can move on really easily because they didn't invest that much into him. Yeah. And, and I will say one last thing to your point of scouts being high on him and NFL scouts not being, so we got to throw the pre-draft stuff out. We also have to take into consideration that NFL scouts are very high on Christian Ponder, very high on Jake yeah. Locker, very high on, you know, Daniel Jones, a lot of guys that have not lived up to the hype. So just as Absolutely. you know, the scouts on our side can be wrong. You know, the NFL scout, scouts have also proven that they could be dead wrong too. So, um, you know, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. But let me pivot quick to something that th this is a draft where we have two clear-cut running backs at the top, and then we have just a bunch of receivers, and then we have these kind of tertiary. I wouldn't even call them secondary type running backs. I think they're kind of tertiary running backs where you could have one of four or five different guys as your RB3. Okay. So I want to talk about those guys quickly. We got, we got Spiller, we got White, we got Cook, we got Pierce. Those I would say are the next four guys up, unless I'm missing mm -hmm. somebody off the top of my head. Talk to me about those four guys. Can you put those guys in order for me? And then where's the first one you're taking? Uh, I'll take this one because I just did it and I've done it a couple of times for me of those four guys. For me, it's James Cooks uh, at the at the top of that list. Then I, I actually have uh, Zamir White mixed in there as well. Spiller and Damian Pierce. And and, and who did I miss? You Rashad. missed uh, Rashad White. Uh, yeah, Rashad White. He's uh, actually I, I have him. I didn't put the R. I have the Z White. I don't have the R White. So I have him. <laughs> uh, I actually have him Cook. Rashad White, Zamir White, Spiller, then Damian Pierce. And, and the reason why is it's James Cook. It, it's A, it's draft capital. It's one of the best offenses in the league. It's the guys that he's competing with for touches. And, and, and here's why. This is why I think the Bills invested second-round draft capital in, in James Cook, and it's because they don't want their $450 million quarterback running as much anymore. And even though I think Singletary is going to lead the, be the lead back going into camp, I, I think there's going to be volume for both of these guys. Uh, I, I think they don't want their star quarterback being the next Cam Newton, where you just run around and slam into everything. I think that he's developed enough as a passer. Yeah, he'll run a little bit, but you can't risk investing that much money in a guy and having him getting crushed because this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So. I like the draft capital. And you, you mentioned earlier this being one of the craziest drafts. I, I'm always big into looking what the new messaging is. And the NFL is getting 25, 30 wide receivers a year from the NCAA. And why wouldn't they? Look at the money these guys are getting. 
So we're getting less and less good running backs on good offenses. So if I'm going to take a, a shot, I'm going to take a shot on the guy with the second round draft capital on a good team, uh, mediocre competition. And then Rashad White, uh, I love Leonard Fournette. And I think he's going to ball out this year, but he's not likely to be back. And then it's Keyshawn Vaughn and, and who? There's no Rojo there anymore. And Zamir White uh, might surprise some people that I like Zamir White, but I, I love the Georgia pedigree. You know, target and touch competition at Georgia is always pretty fierce, especially in the running back group. And this was the second pick. The Raiders had no draft capital, like next to none. Their first pick was a guard. Next pick was Samir White. They didn't pick up the option on Josh Jacobs. So for me, this is the first running back that the new head coach and GM picked. So I like him. And I do like Spiller. Uh, hard to fade that offense. And the Chargers have been looking for that between the tackles. Bruiser for a while and he can catch passes and Eckler's not exactly the the toughest dude around and then Damian Pierce yeah he's in the way of my man Marlon Mack so that's how I rounded out those five <laughs> all right hold on a second we we have our past host gave me a call let's see if we can get some good gold here hey what's up man hey Hurley what's going on I'm recording the podcast <laughs> do you have any dynasty content to provide I do actually. Tell me. You ready for it? I'm ready. Um, this is just an offer that came in. I wasn't planning on talking to you about this, but uh, I'll give it to you. Ready? Ready. Currently in a rookie draft. Not on the clock yet, but an offer came through for some of my picks that are coming up. It's a 14 team super flex, tight end premium, running back point per carry. Quite a few uh, things there. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have the 110, 111, and 112? Or Drake London? Um, I will give you my answer, and I think it's pretty easily 110, 111, 112 in a 14 teamer with tight end premium and points per carry. Um, I would do that up until a 110, uh, a 10 team league. So I would, in a 10 team league, I would take the, the higher rated prospect just because it's a three for one, but in a 14 team league, it's easily the three picks. Um, Akash and Randy, mm -hmm. what do you have? Yeah, I'll take the three picks at the end of the first. Uh, absolutely, because you know, part of a big part of rookie drafts is accepting that we don't know anything. We have we have some idea, but for the large part, we we don't know. And I would rather take three of those uh, three of those shots uh, over the over Drake London. Even though I really like Drake London, mm -hmm. there's a very there's a solid chance that one of the players you get uh, at the end of the first ends up better. Yep. I'll take it's like yeah. playing the field, Randy. Same. I, I, you know, in the league we're in, you know, Chris Alave went at the 111 or 110. Yeah. And he also has first round draft capital. And he's not my biggest bust. Drake London's my biggest bust scare at the wide receiver position. So for me, I'll easily take, I'll, I'll tell you why in just a second, Akash, but I'll easily take the, the 10, 11, and 12. Easily. I'm going to get another wide receiver and two other cracks at it. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at 111, I've gotten. Uh, a lot of James Cook so far. So okay, give so me a, give me a wide receiver and another, maybe even a quarterback. Yeah. So Hurley, the consensus is you take the you take the three picks in the league that you're referencing. Drake London is off the board. Burks is off the board. Olave is off the board. Wilson and James, James Jameson Williams is also off the board. So you're sitting. The individual is sitting at 109, at 110, 111, 112 in a 14 team superflex league. You're probably looking at taking a Sky Moore. At 110 or 111, Pick it. you probably got a, 
Um, Pickett's gone. He went 108. So okay. I look at Sky Moore as an option at 110. Mm-hmm. I think we got the top five receivers off the board. Yeah, so the top five receivers are gone. Um, Sky Moore, you know, actually is in my top five. Um, and then you got Christian Watson. So having a Sky Moore, Christian Watson, and then whatever you want at 112, whether it's one of the running backs instead of points per carry, you could look at whoever your next man up is at running back. So I I take the three guys there and with the roll of dice with Rodgers and Watson, Mahomes and Sky Moore, and hoping one of those guys is at or above Drake London in the future. All right. To make this question more well-rounded of a mailbag question, would I counter with just two of those picks? Um, mm. what's a give up? Give the two so picks. You're giving, so you would be giving up two picks. Yeah, like one ten, one eleven for Drake. Lyon. Yeah, I'd, I'd do that for Drake. The uh, the consensus here is well, Akash says yes. One word answer, Randy. Yes or no? No, no. I'm I'm not a Drake London guy. Sorry, Randy is not a Drake London fan, and um, I will say. This is close because I think we had. I think I looked at your team prior. I think you're more in a situation where you could use the depth versus the, the consolidation. So I'd rather have two shots at a player than the one. And I'm kind of lukewarm on Drake London. I, I don't love him. Um, I don't hate him as much as Randy, but I think I'd rather take a Sky Moore, Christian Watson, two right, two dice rolls, and hoping that they're both good, or if not both, one of them is Drake London, and Drake London is not guaranteed either. So, And I don't think the person at 102 would accept that, but I think it's pretty close. I'd probably lean slightly the two picks, but I oh, think... Oh, wait a second. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Breaking news. Breaking news. Just got an offer. Uh, I think it's from a different team. I guess I don't know for sure. Brees Hall and Michael Carter for 110, 111, 112. Sold American. Yeah, see that one's a little tougher in a point per carry league. I think I would I think I would man. Mm-hmm. If if you feel that you're you just have a because you took Traylon Burks in this draft, you already took Jameson Williams in this draft. So that would give you yep. Brees, Burks, Williams. You'd give up those three picks, and you would have a, the two oh four remaining. You could get like a another receiver like a you know, David Bell would probably be around at 204 and a 14-teamer. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I'd probably take that. and Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'd probably do that. Randy? Sold American. Sold American. Sold, sold American. It, for me, it's the point per carry. That's the, that's the differentiator. If I can get a potential bell cow getting the point per carry, and then you got the handcuff for Michael Carter if something were to happen to Brees, I think that's good. Those, uh, the, the, those running backs drafted between 35 and 45 over the last half decade have just been money. And that's that pocket where both Hall and Walker went. I'm in. Okay. So there's, yeah. he said the, uh, Randy said that the, the running backs drafted between 35 and 45 have just been money. And that's where Brees went. So he's pretty, he's pretty bullish on the Brees Hall train. Any other update? I mean, we've had three breaking news in one six minute phone call. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty big. I think we're going to leave it at that. That's a great mailbag question. We got a mailbag question for you. Do it. When do you return to the podcast? <laughs> Ooh, I think that's going to be to be continued. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. That's the 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 space ball the space balls answer. The space balls when answer. Will then, when will then be now? <laughs> when will then be now? Soon. Randy says. Soon. Well, Hurley, this was a fantastic surprise. 
Um, and I will give you a call when I'm done with the podcast to discuss the other um, items. All right, boys. We'll see you. Hey, thanks, really. Yeah. Good miss you. Bye. See you, JP. What a, what a great little, what is that, curveball? Would you call it? You're the baseball guy, Randy. Is that a curveball? Or is that, that a split that finger a fastball? Ball. What is that? Knuckleball? Well, a, split, a, a, a knuckleball because he is a knucklehead, but we love <laughs> JP. And, I, and I, I'm so glad that uh, uh, I, I got to hear my buddy's voice. I know he's been taking a hiatus from the pod doing, uh, I'm friends with JP on other forms of social media and he's been out living his best dad life and work life. And it's good to know that he's still involved in the hobby of dynasty fantasy football. Just a good people, man. Awesome. Uh, before we get to Akash, I'm going to point out one thing that Randy said that I found a little interesting. He had he had Damian Pierce at five, and the reason he had him at five was Marlon Mack, but the rest of the guys one through four. It was kind of a joke. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So I didn't know. Maybe I mean I, you could have been a massive Marlon Mack homer. I mean you are a Colts fan, so I, I do like Marlon Mack. I th- I, I... I have yet to see. We've seen other players come back from the Achilles. We've yet to see full strength Marlon Mack coming off of the Achilles. But was it Damian Pierce in the fourth or fifth round? I mean, he, I, I have Pierce as my as my two ten in a super flex. Mm. So mm. he he's right there in that range for me. Where do you have him? You seem to be a little bit more bullish on Pierce. I know a lot of people liked him uh, coming out of Florida. Big SEC guy. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll let Akash go first, and then I will definitely give you my my five in that order. Akash, what you got? So, who am I ranking? Uh, I've Rashad first. Okay, you still remember the guys that we're discussing here? You can throw Zamir in there since since Randy did. So we got Zamir, we got Rashad, mm-hmm. we got Cook, Pierce, Spiller. Damn. Um, Rashad, then Cook, then uh, I think. Damian Pierce, then Zamir, then Spiller. It's tough, but... Okay. So the community has it. Cook, Spiller, Rashad, Pierce, Zamir. Yeah. Spiller's been going really high. I don't know if you guys know this gentleman, but a a Daiko? A Daiko. A Daiko yeah, underscore Daiko. FF. This is some cool stuff. Right I just started. I just started following him. I thought he's he does some pretty cool work with the. He's compiling the rookie draft data. Love this. Mm-hmm. This is great. So that's his. Um, mine would be. I'd have Pierce at one out of those. So on the other side of of Randy on this one, I'd have Pierce at one. I'd have Cook at two. I'd have Zamir at three. I'd have Spiller at four, and I'd have White at five. Which White's the last one? I'd have White at five. Uh, Rashad White at five. Oh, really? You're not that high on him? He's my first um, out of those guys. I know. I think both of you guys had him first. He's a phenomenal receiver. He's got good size, good mm-hmm. rushing work. He's got. He's checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. And, for, for, uh, I think there's really high upside because he's such a good receiver and he has really good size. He could uh, legitimately be top 12 if he um, hits the ceiling. I don't see that same ceiling for Cook or someone else. And uh, yeah. The other guys are just, uh, they're day three guys, even though they were early day three guys. So, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you my perspective. So, for running backs that, they're definitely in the next tier of prospects, okay? They're not high-end prospects. Mm-hmm. They're replaceable level right now in terms of the draft capital that's put into them. So, I look at what what is the most likely 
of the five players, who was the most likely of those five players to actually get the most work in year one? And the reason why I have White at or Rashad White at five is that Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, trust Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. at the running back position. And I don't know if they're the least likely of the five teams to trust a rookie running back in the backfield, in my perspective, in my opinion. Um, I have Cook there at I have Cook above him because I think he the singletary, you know, bogey is very a lot easier to jump than the Leonard Fournette bogey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Spiller ahead of Eckler, or excuse me, I have Spiller ahead of him because I look at them, I look at that situation as Spiller could be inside the 20s and Eckler being outside the 20s. So I can see him getting a lot of red zone opportunities, scoring those touchdowns. And Eckler isn't the most durable of players. I mean, Leonard Fournette hadn't been the most durable of players, and somehow he's been Iron Man. He's turned into like the Frank Gore. And then, um, uh, I like with Pierce. I think that's the easiest backfield to get overtaken out of the ones that are listed. Yeah, I agree. And Randy mentioned Zamir White. Um, Josh Jacobs doesn't have the coaching staff that drafted him. So you look at that situation and say, do they even like Josh Jacobs? Because the team that drafted Josh Jacobs was struggling to like Josh Jacobs, it felt like. So that's kind of where I have uh, why I kind of come up with my order. But honestly, it's a it's a crapshoot with these guys. You know, it, it, yeah, really never know. I just try to find opportunity to get on the field most and first, and that's where I have Pierce at one. Yeah, I th- I can see all those all the ones that went in day three as more replaceable. Like I could totally see um, Josh Jacob. I could totally see Josh Jacobs walking when his contract's up, and then he's replaced. He's then. Uh, Zamir White doesn't do anything and doesn't overtake the backfield at all. And I, yeah, I, as, more, as a day three guy, it's a lot, the path to climb, the hill to climb is a lot steeper for those guys. My concern with Pierce is just stodgy old coach. Uh, was it Lovey Smith? You know, old, old school guys aren't really big fans of throwing in. I mean, if, if he balls out in rookie minicamp and in training camp, then obviously he'll, he'll earn the way in. But Marlon Mack's a decent pass catcher and a decent pass protector. So yeah. that's going to lead, lead, lend to him starting. But again, we've not seen Mack off the uh, – I maybe need to reevaluate Pierce a little bit. You make a, a very compelling argument. So, Yeah, and, and, and like you – you know, a lot of analysts and scouts that are in this industry think that Damian Pierce is a massively underrated prospect from the college game that will translate really highly – to the um, pro game. So you look at Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, neither of those guys really high volume running backs in college that have translated to be potentially high volume running backs at the NFL level. So it does exist for that opportunity for Damian Pierce as well. Um, And with Mitchell, late round prospect, and with Antonio Gibson, later round prospect, um, we've seen Aaron Jones take over the backfield. He's a fourth round prospect. So I feel like the NFL has kind of shifted to where they they don't value running backs as much. So at the end of the day, the running backs that are actually the bell leading the backfields don't necessarily all have first round draft capital. Uh, Damian Harris or Stevenson, whichever one you prefer, doesn't have the draft capital. Tony Pollard's been balling out in in, in Dallas, and if it wasn't for Zeke, he'd be the guy there. Doesn't have the draft capital. Um, uh, like I said, Elijah Mitchell. 
Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, um, doesn't have the draft capital. Uh, where was Cam Akers taken? Second round. Second round. So I guess that's more. more that's where uh, we're seeing them go. Yeah. 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 More. More. I'm okay there with that. And then the running back. I would say the running back last year were with with Taylor Harris Swift and Williams. They all had high enough draft capital to where they're not these fourth round guys. But I don't think it's that crazy to see one of these you know, five guys that we've talked about being an actual bell cow in receiving a second contract. Yeah, it's all a dart throw. I mean, this is, yeah, there's a, a long history of, I mean, just looking at the hit rates, uh, a lot of them, a lot of uh, later drafter running backs fail and there's a few successes, but I really think that um, I don't, you could easily see, easily see one of them go and it just depends on which one, so. Definitely diversifying amongst these later round dark throws is very smart. Okay. So how soon are you taking um, your number one running back in Superflex drafts? Or sorry, your number three running back. Yeah. Yeah, So your number three running back. Yep. Rashad White, I'm taking in the early second. Okay. So where do you have him? 201, 202 is where you'd start to look at him when you say early? Yeah, somewhere in that... And like whenever whenever I'm looking at like um, Pickens, Dotson, Bell, those kind of guys, and White's also in that tier for running back. Okay. And then Cooks Cooks at the end of it, I think, because he he was drafted higher, and he's also a receiver, not as much a receiver as White, but uh, and he doesn't he didn't have as many as much of a rushing workload, so mm-hmm. I think that's that's something I I value like showing teams that you can. Uh, actually handle a workload is valuable to NFL teams. And so that's valuable to me. And James Cook never really did that. He's a bit of a smaller running back. And so he's a bit lower for me. And he's not a great pass protector either. But Randy, you're chomping yeah. at the bit to to talk. So go ahead, buddy. My, uh, my guy, uh, it, for me, this was roster dependent, but I, I'm fine with you taking your guy around 111, 112. Anywhere in, the, in that range, you know, if, if you're in the luxurious position of drafting in the 111, 112, it means you got a pretty good team. And at that point, you know, it's, it's roster dependent. If you want the wide receiver, go get, you know, Watson. If you, Sky Moore, I, you know, you took him at 110. He was on my board at, at the 110, and you, you nabbed him. So for me, in the 111 range, between 111 and 202 is a good spot for that third RB in this class, okay. whoever you like. Okay. Another question, uh, Randy kind of mentioned this a few times. Uh, not a Drake London fan, so I'm guessing Drake London is the guy that Randy will see no shares of on any of his dynasty teams. Akash, mm-hmm. who is your? Do, well, you're shaking your head, so you're a Drake London fan. Absolutely, wide receiver one. Okay, and he, he was my wide receiver one before he went to my team. I don't know if you. I don't know if we want to like full on fight this out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Randy already said he's not a Drake London fan, and he gave his reasons why. So, well, I didn't. Gi- I didn't give them all. Okay, well, uh, real I mean, quick, go ahead and gi- go ahead and give them all. My, my, well, my, my biggest thing is is the the guy is coming off of an ankle injury. He mm-hmm. didn't run. He w- would have probably ran in the the four six range, give or take. And the biggest red flag for me is the guy has not played double digit football games, to my knowledge, since high school. He's played eight games or less all three years in college, and now all of a sudden he's supposed to go to the NFL and play double that. 
every year and, and, and be my wide receiver one or two at that acquisition cost. And if you look at the height and weight of all the other wide receivers drafted, they're all 5'11 to six foot one. They all weigh 190 pounds. And he just feels like the opposite of all of that for me. So, you know, forget that he's a little bit slower or at least perceived to be. Forget about the injury history. Forget about the the fact that he's never played 10 games in a football season, at least not going back into high school. I don't know who his quarterback's going to be. He's going to be competing with Kyle Pitts. He doesn't fit the prototype of what the NFL is going to in 2022. Just a lot of red flags for me. That's why I won't have any any Drake London. Okay, great. So re, re, so Akash gets to say his word, but we will not be doing rebuttals and we'll be moving on to the next part. So Akash, for the listeners, what is your case for wide receiver one for Drake London? My uh, case is good production at every single year that he played at USC and the fact that he was drafted um, in the first round, very high in the first round, eighth overall. And so just a combination of phenomenal production and elite draft capital has me, uh, and also elite size, because normally for the most majority of top five and top 12 receivers, you see them be big guys with bigger size. And even though the NFL is moving towards um, smaller receivers in a sense, and that there, a lot of smaller receivers are getting drafted higher, you could see it, we'll still probably see a bunch of alphas dominate. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. The best receivers in the league right now are all are mostly all alphas. Yeah, f- fair enough. Um, okay, so I have my opinion too. We'll probably get on get on to that in a little bit later. Maybe I'll touch on it. But Randy, you don't you're you're do not draft or will not draft is Drake London, Akash, who's the one player that you will for sure not have a single share of based on their draft position. It's hmm. a tough one. I think uh, Kenneth Walker, but even then. I've seen him slip till the mid first sometimes. It's it's really it's really tough. I, I don't really have a, a do not draft list just because at, at some point everyone's a value and these rookie drafts everyone has wildly different rankings. So you we see guys fall sometimes. But at ADP where Kenneth Walker's going one oh two, I'm not gonna have any of them. If you went one oh two every draft, I wouldn't have any of them. Okay. So the post draft, so him going to Seattle did not that's not a good enough landing spot for you to kind of get away from your analytics. And draft him. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. a, the landing spot wouldn't change anything. The mentality behind it remains the same. Okay. Kenneth Walker, Drake London. Okay. Now on the flip side, which player are you going to have the most shares of based on where they're going? So I'm guessing this is probably going to be somebody in the late, late first, rounds. later yeah. later first, earlier second, later second type of thing. Even into the third round, if you guys want to go deeper, who's yeah. the one or two guys that you think you'll have the most shares of? Wondell Robinson going at 212 right now. It's absolutely crazy for a guy with an elite production profile with second round draft capital. I don't care that he's 5A. That's doesn't matter to me. I'm not a, a guy that focuses on height. New York Giants felt that he warranted a second round. How t- how tall are you, Akash? 5'10, 5'11 on a good day. Okay. I was going to say if you were 5'8 and you said I don't focus on height, I mean that would have been a giveaway, but all right, 5'10, 5'11, that's good enough. All right, it's go ahead. It's about average. It'll it'll do, but <laughs> it'll do. No, that's above average, buddy. Come on now. Five nine's the average. You got oh, that towered. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think the reasons Wandale's being faded is because he's short and his name rhymes with Rondale. So everyone's getting PTSD last <laughs> year. But they're different players. Just because one guy failed or looks like he's on a path to doesn't mean that Wandale's dead in the water. 
Fair enough. Is that the number one guy? Do you have another guy? David Bell as well, going in the mid-second. I like them both. I would take them. They're both late first, early seconds for me in that tier with Dotson and Pickens, where we see Dot- Dotson and Pickens go a lot higher. All right. We got a guest. Good night. My daughter's got a... Do you, do you like Drake London or, or Kenneth Walker more? I don't know what you're talking about. Which one do you like more, Drake London or Kenneth Walker? Walker. Walker. That's done deal. Nice job. All right. Good night. I love you. Now, the psychology behind this, though, is if you guys know kids, the second name you give is always the answer when they don't know. So I set her up mm-hmm. for the answer that I preferred. Yeah. You tricked her. <laughs> now she's going to regret I that tricked. for the rest of her yeah. lives. She picked the wrong one. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So David Bell and Wandell Robinson. Randy, what are your two uh, guys? I- I am going to concur with the David Bell. Uh, I, I, I like that landing spot, and I, I like the lack of competition. For me, if you're looking for dirt cheap, Kyle Pitts-type athleticism at the tight end position, get Jelani Woods from the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, he's competing with Kylan Granson and the other rookie they drafted. Jack Doyle retired. Mo Alley Cox, more of a blocker. And, I mean, this kid's got a better burst score, agility score, and catch radius than Kyle Pitts. That doesn't make him the football player that is Kyle Pitts. I'm just saying, if you like plus athletes, and typically plus athletes at the tight end position tend to break out at some point. So, for me, if you're in a tight end premium or a must-start to tight end league, like I'm in a lot of, I'm going to have a lot of Jelani Woods given the target competition in Indy, his athletic profile, his quarterback's propensity to to target the tight end, uh, and a decent offense. So for me, it'll be those two guys. But I do love the Bell take. Yeah, Woods is solid. I completely concur. Bell is easily the player that I think I'm going to have the, the most shares of. Um, he was borderline, even post all this other stuff, he was borderline top five for me. There's a lot of guys that are interchangeable for me. Um, mm-hmm. it's just so hard to pass up that production. And we've seen yeah. players with shitty athletic profiles that have done just fine in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think it's an absolute steal. And his shitty athletic profile isn't that much shittier than a former favorite of current Cleveland quarterback, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, their athletic profiles. If you go to playerprofiler.com and just look at them, they're not that dissimilar. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, it's Amari Cooper, it's David Bell, and who? I mean, a little David and Joku, a little Harrison Bryant at the tight end position. But I, I love, you know, we're talking about you know Jelani Woods not being the football player that is Kyle Pitts. I'm telling you, David Bell's a football player, and you're not going to regret having him on your dynasty roster yep yep i agree I, I will say i'm a little disappointed i'm a i'm a kylan granson like i've been trying to trying to pick up a lot of kylan granson um i i really think that he's a lot better than we're giving him credit for in this community so i like kylan granson so yeah he's a but then, sleeper. yeah but go ahead akash you had your hand raised what were you gonna say, you uh, gonna say something? did i raise my hand I no, think so. You kind of like, kind of. Like maybe it. I did. Maybe I did this, but no, I completely agree with everything you guys are saying about David Bell. I don't care about athletes, athleticism at the wide receiver position. 
because it has no implication of future success there. In fact, it even has negative success at times because uh, athletes uh, who aren't very good get overdrafted sometimes. But no, it's mainly the production uh, where Bell has fantastic production across all three years of college and then he got drafted in the third round. And it doesn't help that, I mean, it doesn't hurt that the landing spot's pretty nice. Okay. So for the last five minutes of the show, what I want to focus on is we have five receivers at the top of this draft that seem to be the guys that are going. I guess you can make a case that there's a couple more. But So let me do this. I'll give you – you might want to jot these down. Um, rank these receivers for me. Ready? So Drake London, Traylon Burks. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, and Jameson Williams. So the community has it. London, Burks, Wilson, Williams, Olave, Moore, Watson. I'd like to yeah. hear your guys' order on that. Um, I'm going with Drake London, then... Traylon Burks, then Garrett Wilson, then Sky Moore, then JMO, and then Olave, and then lastly, Watson. Out of those seven. Okay. Real quick question. Did Sky Moore jump anybody due to the landing spot? Not because of the landing spot, because of draft capital. He already had the elite production profile, and I expected him to go in the second, then he did go in the second, and so... That, uh, but he jumped, he jumped Jamison Williams, who had a higher... Draft capital. Yeah, because Jameson, I like Jamo. I, I like him more than I would have if that was my overly critical self last year. But Jameson Williams had that single year of production and then mm -hmm. early declared. Um, Sky Moore had uh, good production in all three years in, of college and then was an early declare. They're both good. I just prefer Sky's gotcha. all, production all three years. So here's an interesting um, question. I always think about this from the analytics perspective, and I never really get a clear, concise answer. So you may be able to answer this for me. Um, and Randy may agree with me on this too. So we have a guy like Chris Olave, who you have below Sky Moore. Do mm -hmm. you put any emphasis or do you provide any context to the situation that, well, Olave is playing with two, maybe three first round draft picks in Ohio, no. but no, I don't. Sky Moore has nobody. So where do you think the ball is going to go? Well, you played with second rounder D. Eskridge. But DS for disrespect. Well, <laughs> as we as we've seen, I, I don't know if D's any good, but that means nothing to you. No. Can you can you tell me why? Like, can you agree that if you flip Olave and more, that the production would be the same if they changed traded places? So Sky Moore would have Olave's production, and Olave would have Sky Moore's production. Do you agree with that notion? So you put Sky Moore on Ohio State and you take Chris Olave. And you throw them on the Broncos. Do they? No, not really. I mean, it's it's hard to say that you're dealing with hypotheticals there. Um, you're saying that because he's talented, uh, as we see in his production, that the production will stay because he's talented. So it's kind of cyclical. But no, I'm not. I'm not looking at the hypotheticals. I'm really just going off the information that we have. And uh, you know, like Peter Howard's done work with this. How teammate score doesn't really. Um, have an indication for wide receiver success. Uh, you can be good with 
a lot of, with good players on your team and you can be good with no good players on your team. It just matters that you are good. And so looking right. at that, um, the, the big okay. thing for me between them is that Olave was a senior and then the production also dropped a little bit in his senior year. And so that's the knock. I, I would probably be higher on Olave if he had a, like a Devonta Smith level senior year, but he didn't. He, he definitely has a good profile. It's just that I like Sky more. The, the oh, game. nice, nice, nice. But they are the same age, whether senior or not. Olave yeah. and Moore are the same age. I think uh, Olave turns 22 in June, but go ahead. The thing with seniors is there's a clear um, difference in production in the NFL between uh, early declares and seniors. And the, the thing that people talk about when they're talking about seniors is that, well, it's an indication that they didn't think that they might not have given uh, get, gotten the reports that they thought they were going to get when they were when they went to the college, uh, like the committee that gives them what their mm-hmm. expected draft uh, position might be. And so when someone says that, uh, when they're told that maybe they're not going to get drafted as highly as they could, it's uh, they decide to go back to school. And that's why uh, that they might not be as successful in the NFL because the what they're told by the college football committee um, is an indication that maybe they're not as good as they thought, maybe. But okay, but um, yeah, it, 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 it is very clear the difference between early players and seniors to production in the NFL. Okay, so just to go over this again, Akach has London Burks, Wilson, Sky Moore, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, Christian Watson. Um, I'm going to see what Randy has before I kind of cross cross question here. Randy, what do you got? Uh, I actually have Williams, Wilson, Burks, Olave, London, Moore, and Watson. Wow, very different. Wow. I, I, when I was listening, to it, I was like, we 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 could. I, I think we both agreed that Watson's toward the toward the backside. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. but I mean, I mean, I just don't see. Bad route runner who has some drop issues, jelly with Mister B on your spot, Aaron Rodgers. We'll we'll figure that out later. But yeah, that was mine. Okay, um, I think I think you guys are both going to say the same thing about Christian Watson in terms of his production. I mean, so real quick, Akash, is it a production thing with Watson? Yeah, production. Okay. Uh, senior second round capital is solid, but it's not elite. Um, mm-hmm. And then athleticism is something I look at for wide receivers. And so that's the main thing that that's his like calling card. And it's not something I look at. It helps, but it's yeah. like if you can win without uh, being a plus athlete, it's better than not winning while being a plus athlete. The only way I would move, I have Watson at seven as well on those guys. The only way I would move Watson up from seven mm-hmm. is if Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I told the Green Bay Packers to not draft one of the first-round receivers. I want Christian Watson. That would be the only way I'd be like, okay, I'll move him up a little bit. The Clyde Edwards-Alaire narrative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way I'd move him up a little bit. Um, So how I I have it... I think Rodgers... like texted Watson when Watson was drafted or something and said, like, let's get ready to work or something. If you want to add that to your... Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, I think you're gonna have to make some adjustments. Damn, I did not, I did not, I did not get that. You know, I want to move Watson up. I will say, 
the gap between each of these players to me is very minor, even all the way down to Watson. You yeah. know, I, I tweeted this out, you know, and I said 108. In a one quarterback league, even a super flex, who cares? We'll throw we'll just throw Pickett out. Yeah. It's just you have guy. the two running backs and these seven receivers. So if you're at 109, I'm really okay with any of those guys. The drop off really becomes 110 in a one quarterback league and 111 in a super flex league for me because you can sneak Kenny Pickett in there. So I have Watson in a different tier altogether, and I have uh, Drake and sometimes Burks, depends how I'm feeling, in the tier above. And so, yeah, I'm fine with the tier having them tier above, but I think Watson. And I, I love George Pickens. He's probably mm-hmm. my favorite of all of the receivers, just like my favorite receiver to in college football. Um, yeah. But the off-the-field stuff, I really put an emphasis on off-the-field. Uh, Kosh and I talked about this offline. Off-the-field stuff is the one intangible that is like our free card. It's our get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, we get that one... What is it? The free square and bingo <laughs> off the field stuff is the free square and bingo, which is why Kadarius Tony was a don't touch for me. George Pickens. I have a difficult time because of the off the field stuff. Um, it's the intangible that we get to get a glimpse of. It, you know, honestly, I think it's why Baker Mayfield struggled to be a, a great pro. I don't think that he's got the, you know, cause he had the off the field stuff with, you know, campus police. So there's, there's certain things that, I really have a tough time getting over. And plus, he's now behind Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And we don't know if Kenny Pickett's any good. We don't know if Mitch Trubisky's going to be good. I like Pat Fryermuth. So really, that offense is going to be fantastic. But I don't know where the production comes. And I know the cream rises to the top. But it's really just a difficult thing to overcome. Um, but I look at the rest of the guys. David Bell, for me, my personal rankings, I have David Bell ahead of Christian Watson. But I wouldn't take David Bell ahead of Christian Watson in a rookie draft. I'd much rather just take Christian Watson than find a way to trade him away to acquire David Bell. But to answer the question that I asked both of you to give you guys mine, um, one through seven, and once again, I usually put the emphasis on who do I think has the best chance of being the wide receiver one in the offense, the quickest wide receiver one, and I include tight ends into that. So for me, I have to put Traylon Burks at one, even though it's a lower volume pass offense. Um, so I have Burks at one. I have Jamison Williams at two. I have Sky Moore all the way up at three. I have Chris Olave at four, Drake London at five, Garrett Wilson at six, and Christian Watson at seven. And the reason why I have Garrett Wilson at six is not because I don't think he's a great player. It and, and I, it, you've we've kind of been burned by I've kind of been burned by this where. I put a lot of emphasis on landing spot, and I shouldn't, and I know I shouldn't. But not not only am I a big believer of Elijah Moore, but we have to now assume that Garrett Wilson is better than Elijah Moore, and then that also Zach Wilson takes a step this season to where he can support two receivers. And I think both of those, one of them is going to be difficult to overcome. Both of them, I think, is very, very difficult to overcome. So I don't want to put my 104, 105 basket into a situation like that. So let's talk about that because I think I'm the lowest by far on Garrett Wilson. Let's end it with like a Garrett Wilson quick recap because you guys have them both significantly higher than I do. For me, I understand the concerns about 
Uh, Eli Moore, I think that's where your concerns are. Mm-hmm. Um, they also re-signed Braxton Berrios. Whether, whether you believe he's a thing or not, he's still going to take targets, especially out of the slot where you'd like these guys to operate. They brought in two tight ends and drafted another one. Corey Davis, your man's still there. So the target competition is going to be robust in New York. Uh, I'm just a, a believer that cream rises to the top. I believe Wilson's the best out of all these guys, although uh, Eli Moore with his 34th overall draft capital, somewhere in that neighborhood, will have a lot to say about it. Uh, I, I still believe in Garrett Wilson, but I understand. I completely understand the hesitancy around the offense. Um, do they want to run the ball with Brees Hall, who they traded up for? Do they want to be a passing team? At least we know they're going to be bad, so they're going to be passing the ball in volume. So there's that. But I, I understand why you would have Wilson where you would. Randy, it's been at least three years since you've been on the show, right? It's been a while, sir. It's been it's a been good a while. while. Yeah, hundreds of episodes ago, you had graced our airwaves, and you're back on it again. So really appreciate the time. Like I said, you're one of my favorite guys in the industry. Always a good conversation. Um where could we find your work, Randy? Just search Dynasty Warzone everywhere. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, podcast, whatever your podcast player of choice is. Uh, you'll find us every Wednesday. Jerry and I, uh, I think it's like the first weekend of July, we'll have been on every Wednesday for four years. So always a Dynasty Warzone out there. and We've brought on some other guys doing some other shows. So just search Dynasty Warzone everywhere. Hit the subscribe button and uh, enjoy the content. Absolutely appreciate it. So at DWZ Memphis, and then we have Akash at YZR underscore fantasy. You guys in your, and it, I'm DTC, so we all have it. We all have the three abbreviations there. DTC underscore Izzy E. Appreciate you both being on as always, and good luck in your rookie draft, gentlemen. <laughs>